Hello, my name is Scott. You're listening to The Joys of Teaching Literature. We're here to talk about how to make uh, your teaching life easier and more fun and less stressful, more meaningful, um, make the study of literature more meaningful for your students. Um, so we're talking about all the different activities and projects and uh, different things you can do in your classroom to, um, to yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm basically just here to, because I like good conversations with teachers, and I like hearing what other people do. Actually, we're sort of just talking about this in the office today. That uh, There's a PD session up, and sometimes our, our district will allow teachers to run the sessions, and we're like, let's just have a session where we talk about literature, <laughs> because that's what we like to do, we just talk about the different activities and projects that we do in our classrooms, and we just sort of share out. Because we get so busy, you know, grading papers and everything else that we don't always get the opportunity to do that. We, we do that a lot. But anyway, if you don't want to know more about me, I have a website, uh, theteachersworkshop.com. I offer online professional development for high school English teachers. I have a Teachers Pay Teachers store. I have a blog. The blog is basically yeah, what I'm sort of looking at as I talk to you. Um, but, uh, yeah, you could sort of look at that if you're uh, interested. I, the courses are self-paced, and you, so you can take them at your own you know, pace and you can take them for, you know, I have, I think it's like many 20 hours of videos, different handouts, different things that you can download to use in your classroom. I walk you through all the different resources as you take the course. And then um, you can take as much as you want. You can take a couple of sections. <laughs> There's uh, stuff for new teachers, stuff for veteran teachers. Um, so that's, that's just a little bit about me. Um, so today we're going to talk about um, exactly what kind of I mentioned in the introduction, which is a, a little assignment that I gave. Uh, it was it actually was fantastic. Um, sort of talk, the title of this is Teaching Media Literacy Through Short Stories. <laughs> so I, was trying to, I always try to find really exciting titles for my podcast, but sometimes I just have to say what it is I, that I did in class. And uh, that's basically what I did in class is sort of ended up teaching media, media literacy through short stories. So um, basically just put, to sort of push pause on things. Um, so I was thinking about the stories and the themes and the stories that we, that we read. Um, I have, I have a full unit, um, started off with, uh, Bad Girls by Joyce Cowell Oates. And then we did The Enormous Radio by John Cheever and then Videotape by Don DeLillo. So all three are, are contemporary stories. Uh, Enormous Radio is from the fifties, but it involves tech, technology, which I think just opens up a lot of different conversations, um, so I'll talk about those stories, uh, but basically what I did was okay. So there's these certain things going on in these stories, um, and we we in our conversation we just started talking started talking about <laughs> everything else but the stories. We always sort of came back to the stories, like oh remember when this happened and yeah. So in when you're on TikTok or when you're on Instagram and oh this tweet from so and so or this image of this war or. Like all these things started coming out, or I watched this. Netflix, I actually named like three or four Netflix series that I was watching. I couldn't remember one. I was like, "Oh, is the girl through the window across the street from the house or something?" And I couldn't remember. It's a really long title because um, we were talking about sort of spying on our neighbors. That's what sort of what the, the enormous radio is all about. Um, so there's no shortage of that. Black Mirror has some episodes in it where you're sort of a sci-fi thing where you're watching people. Um, you're recording all the time. I guess one of my students mentioned this movie, Kimmy. I'll, I'll take you through a long list of all the different um, sort of connections that the, the students made to the stories. Um, but it's interesting. You really, you could really do this anytime. Because I think that the idea 
that I keep encountering in books and articles teaching English is um, that we need to find the article for them, and, and that's okay. And I think there's definitely a place to find nonfiction or short, like a poem or uh, some kind of essay uh, that makes the things that you're that sort of makes the thing that you're studying relevant, right? That say it's the 50s or say it's even the 17th century, like really like a Shakespearean uh, play or Shakespeare play or whatever. Um, Oedipus, you know, it's like 2,000 years ago, whatever it is. Uh, so you want to be able to sort of say, not only in conversation, here are these things that in the real world that connect to this, but you also want to say, here's this actual thing, let's read it together and talk about it. But then sometimes it's just so, like, again, going back to the introduction to the show, I'm here to make your life easier. And I can just, you know, there's, especially for electives, think about if you ever taught an elective, you know that you can just spend hours at school when you should be like lesson planning and grading and doing all the, going to meetings and answering emails, all that stuff that we have to do at school. You can spend a ton of time looking up articles. And over the years, it's good to sort of keep them in one place. I have different folders with different essays that I've encountered. You copy them. Yeah, you put them, try to make them digital so that you don't lose track of them. Um, there's different things that we encounter just in our own studies. You know, there's the, Norton anthologies are really good for this kind of thing. It's always anthologies floating around my office where I'm, oh, man, this is really great, and I read this or read that. And, you know, there's always different ways that we can sort of suggest things to our students. But I think it's really great because there's the Internet, you know, and the Internet is so cool. Um, you know, you can just sort of ask them to, to, to go find something and, and just quickly, quickly report back on it. And I think we did this in a day and a half or so. Um, and, of course, we have, I don't know, everybody's got, I'm sure, after post-pandemic uh, sort of time we're teaching now everybody's got some kind of online platform that you just kind of continued using maybe district gave it up or not but we use canvas um, it's really easy and simple and so actually I've, i got away from assigning things on canvas and so for this assignment in particular i said all right let's take these themes in these books um you're going to post something from the internet uh in a discussion that is open for the entire class to see uh, so give me a paragraph that interprets that image or that link or that movie trailer or whatever it is, and then uh, also a couple sentences about how it relates to the short stories that we read. Right? And so everybody can see that. Um, I can easily present it. I don't need to go clicking anywhere. I don't need to save anything. It's all right there. But we just kind of scroll through all the responses, and kids gave these presentations. Um, you know, it's, it's not easy to find literature that gets students to talk about the world that they live in, right? And you think about Great Expectations, um, even Great Gatsby. I mean, there's there's different ways to do it. Like, Catcher in the Rye is a good example, right? The kids can really relate to that and, like, sort of see them see their own story there. Um, but say, like, Jane Austen, Virginia Woolf, it's a bit of a stretch. You know, I'm talking about World War One, and, you know, how women wanted to go to work, you know, after that war and wanted to vote and go to college and you know, all these different concerns on the weighing on Virginia Woolf's mind. It's, inc it's obviously incredibly important to look at that history and remember that history and look at gender issues today. And, uh, you know, there's a relationship between the two women, you know, I think that's sort of buried in that storyline. And so that's relevant for today. Of course, there's, there's tons of stuff that's relevant, but um, sometimes feels like a stretch <laughs> given the extraordinary news of the day I, so i was standing up there and of course we're going back and forth so the one story in videotape is 
basically about this random murder that was caught on camera by a 12-year-old. When I think about that, it was written in 19, published in 1994. Uh, 12-year-old captures this, these two cars driving by, one person in the car shoots a person in the other car. It's random, it's, it's no, didn't know each other or anything. It's just, they call him the Texas Highway Killer, and this is just what he does. It's fiction, right? I'm sure there's some super, you know, some reality that connects to that. I don't know. I don't know if he was inspired by something he saw in the news, something like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like talking about this event, you know, they called the, the kid who uh, shot the video, the video kid, right? So they make it like entertaining. Oh, the video kid got the, because they couldn't say the child's name. Um, you know, even the fact that they called him the Texas Highway Killer. And so he, the guy and the, the protagonist in the story is sort of trying to make his wife watch it. And he's like, oh, this is where he gets it. And, you know, it's it's kind of this, thing about how we become desensitized to violence and make it entertaining and um right so it's, it's about all that and so you know of course i'm trying to make it relevant and i'm like in my head you know off the top of my head I'm like is anybody watching the news this week you know like this is something that that happened but it was a player hamill from the buffalo bills almost died on television i didn't want to watch it i was going through all the things that the protagonist in the short story was going through like he didn't want to play it but he felt like he had to see it everybody's talking about it want to know what happened, right? All those sort of conflicts we have with seeing something really graphic, like do we have the experience ourselves when we watch something on television? Well, no, because it's a stranger, and it's not like real life where we experience something or see something. It's much different. But it's close, and it's getting much closer, right? You know, especially if you're watching the news every day, it kind of has this impact on you. And this is like thinking about last week, the guy drove a Tesla with his family inside off a cliff. You know, the guy, one guy got a divorce and shot for his four kids and, uh, ex, well, I guess ex-wife, or they're going through a divorce, whatever, his, his wife and his mother-in-law. Um, he had the Buffalo Bill story. Um, there was just like, oh, this, there was a child that shot his teacher, six-year-old shot his teacher. That was in the news this week. Um, so, I mean, the list just keeps going on, right? I mean, just turn it on. There's always somebody that's, that's died some violent death in some extraordinary way. Uh, that we've never heard of before, and it's it's just it's one of those things where you you really you our students the students reading this short story are like in a way if they're paying attention to the news and I'm I'm riddling off all these news stories, and uh, they're like wow how often do you do you read the news <laughs> okay brain explosion like every day people you know you it, it's not that there's something extraordinary that happens every day it's just that i care you know i care about our country i want it to be way better than what it is i feel like i'm embarrassed by it sometimes um i feel like we have this like potential to be so much better than we are um i, I don't know i just i care you know I, and i don't always know what the solutions are and i don't think it's the teacher's job to really like be able to say what the solutions are because obviously we're getting political when we do that um but just 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 to know that there's a concern there to to talk about how how it is that we react to, to news and extra you know what it's, it's our job to get the students our students to think about how the news is presented right and that's what's going on in the story is that the the protagonist is sort of weighing like okay so we have videos of family where they're like catching grandpa getting out of the toilet or whatever and then there's videos where somebody gets shot. And it's like these two polar extremes, these two, you know, the juxtaposition of these two opposite sort of things that we can capture on video. These home videos, and they're so, look at me, I'm so happy at this concert or at this fancy dinner, whatever it is. Um, you know, I was actually myself thinking about concerts. <laughs> I just went to um, Jagged Little Pill. It's the uh, musical by Alas Morissette. 
and uh, didn't really know what to think going in. And uh, just played in Philly, the Academy of Music. And um, it was just so layered. Because I guess because I teach literature, I'm always thinking about these art forms that that have these these layers to them, right? So you're talking about this fantastic album from like 1995, um, tons of great songs, incredible lyrics, very literary lyrics. Uh, the vocabulary she uses is just incredible. Uh, the emotions that she sings with, the music is fantastic. It's one of the greatest albums of all time. So you saw it on Rolling Stone's list. Um, it's like, okay, so there's all of that. That's to begin with, right? So that's awesome just even going to a concert to see those songs play, right? But then there's also um, the story, the narrative itself. It's a basically, I don't want to like ruin anything for somebody that might be seeing it soon, but uh, it's a basic family story. And so the different characters uh, in this family story uh, sing different songs. And there's, I don't, I think it actually goes beyond just the family. There's different characters in the play in general that uh, sing the various Alanis Morissette songs based on the context that they're in. And they, it was beautiful. It was wonderfully done. All the songs made perfect sense. Um, there were certain jokes made about lines in different songs. And, oh, my favorite part was, uh, <laughs> I don't want to give away too much. Maybe I shouldn't say. But there's a scene, we'll say at least there's a scene in a, in a high school cla- English classroom. <laughs> um, and it's kind of poking fun at everybody in there, like the teacher, the students. Uh, anyway, I don't, I don't want to give away too much in case you see it. It's it's kind of cool to see it without hearing about it. But um, anyway, it's it, it it also was layered with this these digital images that appeared on the stage uh, to the left and right of the people dancing and singing, and then so they had these images like posts online or photographs or you know just different um, like one image for instance. Okay, it's a little bit of spoiler here, but um, it, it's not related to the plot per se. But there's a one of the characters is a uh, teenager in high school she's in a group that has protests and is sort of advocating for social justice is a sort of running joke there's like two people in the group you can't get people to join um but they have these signs and they you know it's sort of just playing off of that uh in these again these images that are on the side of the stage these digital images and they kind of come together um to have this big image of all these students um, with protest signs and then there's just a flash sort of transition to all of them sort of dead um, and you're like, okay, so this is like so this commentary on these school shootings. One of the signs, the signs had these really interesting messages on them, um, you know. And that even that alone is literary, right? Because these these little pithy sayings, uh, these aphorisms, you know, that appear on signs, um, are poetic in a in a way when you think about that. So I think the play was exploring that as well too. And these because the signs came out later in the play. There's another protest later in the play, and so you're sort of looking at the signs again. Um, so anyway, it, it, you know, there's, I just feel like there's so much, um, of literature all, I kept, I say this all the time in the podcast and in my course, um, that literature is, is so much more than there's, there's literary elements like this serious craft, uh, behind so much of our world, whether it be a social media post or, you know, there's this actual whole scene in the, in the play, um, where they were sort of uh, reading posts about this certain incident in the play out loud, and all these different teenagers are reading their posts out loud. It's like, okay, so yeah, so isn't it? Doesn't it sound different when you say it out loud? So it's getting us to think about uh, all of all of that, and so you know, studying that those kinds of stories in class about what happened, and do we believe the person? Uh, you know, there's a sexual assault um, 
in the Bad Girls by Joyce Kyle Oates. And so that was sort of the revolving question because the narrator is not the person who experienced it. So there's this like sort of uncertainty about whether it happened or not. But there's a lot of, well, I shouldn't even say a lot. There's only a few moments where there's actual evidence besides the girl saying that it happened. Um, and so that just opens up all these these really, really well relevant questions about the world that they live in and the stories. Um, and so if, even if they're not like, you know, I got that comment, like, how often do you, do you read the news? Like, of course, I read it every day. Um, they, they, may, they might not do that um, for a couple of reasons, right? Some of the stories are really long. They don't have that much time. They're doing their homework because we give them so much homework. Um, they're going to sports and they're just busy kids. They're not going to like sit down and read the news every day. Um, but they might be getting slices of, of stories, um, you know, because they're on Instagram, or, you know, or whatever, YouTube, and they're getting little flashes of things on the television at night because their parents are watching and um, so they do consume media, but it's like the worst of it, I think, right? Because we like the best of it is just read the article, get the facts, you know, go to Reuters and AP and whatever, and get the facts and just read the the story and know your history and even right even on a daily basis, you're just going to get a slice of something, right? How many days are in a, in a year? Like, is there something extraordinary happen every day? I mean, probably there's a lot of people in the world, but you know, um, still they're going to get little things of stories here and there, but it's not likely that they're, they're really consuming it like we want them to. And, and you know, this another thing to consider here is, like, we might kind of roll our eyes at that, but, you know, these teenagers, that you know, sort of involved like they should, but really it's it's not easy to do. I don't, I don't blame them for not reading the news every day. I remember being a kid and, and watching the local news and just thinking, my God, those guys have to report on all this incredibly sad stuff every night. I would never want that job. I just thought, like, that's the saddest job in the world, to be a journalist, to be a news anchor. Um, it's not easy to read the news every day. It's really upsetting. Um, so, so it's our job, though, to start conversations that will at least get students interested in what's going on outside the walls of their school and home, right? We're not going to be political. We're not going to try to navigate those conversations and model how to have those conversations in our class because we're the adult in the room and people should be able to talk about different issues without getting upset about it. And I think that's particularly hard in a time when, you know, the algorithm is feeding you what you want to see. And so your opinion just gets like stronger and more violent and <laughs> enthusiastic, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, and, and we're not often exposed to points of view uh, from other people. And so a classroom is a really great place to model how we can listen to each other and have civil discourse and come up with solutions that make sense for people who disagree uh, or, at least, or at least agree on the problem. Um, you know, there's like sort of sort of had that moment in class today where they're um, I forget it was like a sign that somebody was holding said all pleas are bad or something like that, um, and so we had that conversation like okay so because um, there is there's I think there's two points of view that yeah like all cops are bad versus like you know well let's look at like what, what is the problem right and so that's what we had the conversation about it's like that's where I stepped in it's okay. Because I could tell that some people were like, well, what are you trying to say with that? You know, and I could see it was going somewhere bad. And I was like, okay, so what's the problem, right? Like, we're we're a lot of cops are going into really, you know, low-income areas where there's not a lot of businesses and good schools and um, different things happening. Like, what, you know, like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, if we overcrowd those areas with cops, um, you know, the, I'd use the Breonna Taylor example uh, where they didn't even have the right apartment, <laughs> you know, and they, they went in with a huge team of people with guns drawn, um, and it was the wrong place, <laughs> right? And so, you know, 
I think the, so that's getting them to think big picture. Like, like, okay, what's like, forget about these individual stories. And we should look at those individual stories and those individual situations, like the George Floyd thing. Um, but let's like think about the big picture. And so that's where we're sort of teaching media literacy is about the question. And, and there's never a good answer, okay, because we're teachers, right? But we're just asking the question Does this image um, uh, symbolize this, you know, larger issue or is it just a fact because it's an image or because it's a video it's it's just presenting some reality to us and that reality is we just look at it for what it is this single event where we look at the circumstances of that single event and we try to understand that single event or are we like okay so this actually represents a greater pattern what is that greater pattern um and you know so like one example is there was a person uh, with a piece of duct tape over their mouth saying i can't breathe Right. So that, that says more than just this, this one individual comment about it, this one situation. Um, and so, but what it says is something about silencing. It's about not being able to express openly and honestly how they feel about different injustices. Um, it's feeling suffocated. It's feeling like you can't breathe, right? It's like, I feel stuck. I feel like we're not moving forward, right? Like it, like it, it sim- symbolizes a lot. It symbolizes whatever we want. But seeing that image in the news, right? Like that's what we sort of have to ask is like, is it just a, you know, a girl with duct tape over her mouth and the words, I can't breathe on it? Or does it represent more to you? What does it mean to you? And the, the, the person taking the photo always thinks symbolically. How is this image symbolic? What greater pattern does this does this represent? So that's when we talk about media studies and media literacy, that's really what we're doing. And so we can have that conversation without just, you know, having a unit on media literacy. Maybe we have that. Maybe we have an elective where we can do media studies. But maybe we just have really good conversations about this literature that we study. And we have literature that is relevant and, and you know, has these sort of mirror, you know, a mirror or an echo of reality in them. Um, where we can understand different things from contemporary news stories and just have conversations about them, right? Um, so our, that's basically what happened in our conversation when all these different topics like surveillance, privacy, we talked about status because in Bad Girls, the, they were like sort of lower class or sort of dressed like punk sort of goth style. Um, so we talked about that and gender. We talked about violence in the media, gossip, because uh, in enormous radio, it's basically in some ways what it's about is magical realism, where the radio is like uh, eavesdropping on people and she can hear these conversations in the building, in this apartment, uh, about all these people she knows. Um, and so it's, it's sort of symbolic of gossip. You know, it's, it's sort of representative of you know, a couple of different things, but, you know, especially with media today, um, but it's that idea that, you know, what, what do we allow people to see as far as our, you know, we're going to go outside our apartment and get dressed nice and look happy and be polite and all of that. Um, but then there's also this kind of other side to everybody, right? That's sort of what the, the story is about. Um, we talk about family and appearance. Um, yeah, videotape, I, I talked a little bit about, or opens up questions about what messages the media sends about violence when they cover a story. You know, I use the exa- example of the Boston bombings. Uh, you know, you have one one type of coverage that basically uh, I told him the story when I was uh, when I, that happened. I was watching uh, Friday night two different episodes, two different uh, programs. There's a Dateline, and I, I can't remember 2020, something like that. I can't remember, but one was uh, sort of covering uh, the story uh, from the pr- perspective of the victims. So they were like 
this person, you know, went to school here and played this sport and was like this and interviewing all the family members and how sad they were when it all happened and telling that whole story. Then the other one was like, who's these guys? Well, you know, who are they? And sort of just like complete opposite, like looking at the actual person who did it because there's a curiosity there. And there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with you know, the general population being curious about why somebody did something. But then the bigger question is, are these all copycat crimes? Because uh, I remember hearing that um, a, a lot of the school shooters after um, the Columbine incident in the 90s referred, I think they were called Eric and Dylan, right, referred to them somewhere in a post or in a journal or in conversation. Uh, and so, yeah, these, these things, like people are influenced by the media and we need to raise kids that are not. Right? Like it, but but they're, where they're not influenced in bad ways by the media, where can, they can be cons- like smart consumers, just like when they read literature, they're smart, right? We want them to be smart when they see things on the television so that they know how they're being manipulated to thinking that someone is cool and mysterious and whatever, uh, because they committed a crime. Um, there's no shortage of uh, television series that make violent people look cool. Um, there's good television that makes them look evil and cold and cruel, which is what they are. Um, they, of course, have a story that led them to that point, which is always good to sort of know so that we can figure out how to end violence right like it's not like a a topic that we should not not be not encounter um but we want to be smart about how we under how we're affected by understanding how we're affected by it right that's what we want our kids to kind of think about is is how they and that's exactly what's happening in this short story we're in this character's head and they are just open and honest about all the things that they're thinking and some of them they don't even know like, he doesn't know why he wants his wife to watch this murder on television with him. He doesn't know why he's asking her to do it. And so sometimes it's like that, too. You know, we have to be sort of um, open to understanding just, like, those mysteries in ourselves. Like, what is it about true crime podcasts, for instance, that are so interesting? Um, the psychology of a person or just, like, maybe we like it because we're so disgusted by it, and that's an expression of how disgusted we are by it, right? But it's definitely a dangerous thing, right? And and um, we don't want to become desensitized to it. We always want to be thinking about it. Like, a, we want to be critical thinkers. Um, you know, the, the enormous radio um, gets students to think about the perfect public self that appears online, you know, and, all, and, then, and then there's the private self that appears to family and close friends. Bad Girls deals with uh, how stereotypes and prejudice create false... Sorry, I was, <laughs> was going to sneeze. Um, they how stereotypes and prejudice create false narratives that prevent people from believing the truth. I mean, it, think about it. What we see on television tells us what to believe. Tells us what to, what is true, right? And if if stereotypes and prejudice are a part of that, if they rely on those things. Um, to tell the story, then we ultimately won't get the truth because we'll be so concerned with the circumstances of the person and what we, you know, these these things that we've sort of developed over the years uh, to understand people and their behaviors, what they wear, right, where they're from, their age, all these different things. We need to like deconstruct those. We need to to, to break them apart. We need to make them explode, right? We need to 
destroy stereotypes as much as we can so that we can understand the truth. Um, there's no shortage of, of these kinds of misrepresentations of reality. And race is a whole other question. Um, because race has been and culture has been misrepresented more than anything in the media. Um, as people spend more and more time on spend more and more time online, right? Like our kids are spending more and more time on we are spending more and more time online. It's it's it's, it's crucial to have these kinds of conversations. Um, we'll call them like literary conversations about how we react to reality as it's presented to us with technology. Um, so after we read and discussed the stories, I basically asked students to post an interpretation of an image, a video, could be a video, an article, a public figure making a tweet, a movie or a series, Netflix series, so sometimes a trailer, uh, that connects to the idea that technology can invade our private lives, that it can make suffering entertaining, or uh, that can function as propaganda. So there's no shortage of media that either communicates a truth, and so there's good media. That's important too. That we're not saying that all media is bad. And we're not saying that all social media is bad. YouTube and and all the cable news networks, all we're not saying it's all bad. We're saying some of it communicates a truth. What is that truth? And then sometimes it creates a false narrative that misrepresents reality. All right. So I'm just going to go through the <laughs> this long list of different things that my students posted uh, that we. I don't. I, we actually didn't talk about them that much. I, this is me just giving them the opportunity to talk a little about something um, that they're that they connected to the themes of the book. Um, but that's basically it's really broad. I basically said like as long as it's related to technology, surveillance, something in the that connects to the stories. And I asked them to actually write about that. Like what is the connection to the story that we read? Um, but ultimately, how the how uh, the world is presented to us through media. So I'll just list what they posted. Uh, a photoshopped image of the Kardashians. <laughs> That's a good place to start. Harry Potter and the Prisoner as Caban. Uh, some movies sort of similar to the plot line of one of the stories. Uh, Bad Girls. Uh, Kimmy, this movie. The Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. A movie called... I, look, I don't, I'm, I'm going to give you this list. I'm, I'm not vouching for any of this stuff. <laughs> I'm not saying teach any of this stuff. <laughs> I don't even know. I know that obviously the news stuff, uh, but like this movie, Don't Worry Darling, I'm not really sure, but I'm just listing different things. Um, the stage, there's stage pictures of a ghetto uh, from Germany um, that made it look like really nice and pretty that functioned as propaganda with children playing, that kind of thing. Uh, Black Lives Matter. There's a couple of different different images from things related to that. Climate change. Again, a couple of different posts about that. That was a big topic, but a couple of different posts. Uh, Uvalde, uh, Allison. Uh, different images that came out. You know how we thought about that. And Allison Borderland is a movie. Uh, I think it, or a series. I can't remember. I think it's a series. Uh, the psychological impacts of technology use. There's an article. The old pseudoscience of how smoking is healthy. Somebody had a picture of a doctor smoking a cigarette <laughs> from back in the day. Um, an article titled "Why is the news loaded? Why the news is loaded with violence?" Uh, there were tweets from President Trump, uh, former President Trump. Uh, an image of Ukrainian President Volodymyr uh, Zelensky. Um, so that, you know the wartime sort of gear that he wears and the impacts of that. Uh, Nightcrawler is a movie. That article called uh, titled "How Does the Media and Television Influence Drug Use?" Uh, Netflix movie. I'm thinking of ending things. 
Uh, there's a tweet about the IRS, which was in the news recently. I thought that was really, you know, you think you kids are not paying attention to things, and then you get some story about, you know, the Republicans wanting to cut the IRS. Um, that just just happened a couple days ago. Uh, the Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky scandal was <laughs> a throwback. The Gulf War was another throwback. I'm like, wow, these kids are really like that's not something that probably happened in their in their lifetime, you know. Uh, conspiracy theories about Bill Gates planting chips in people. That was a good one. Uh, we Steal Secrets, the story of WikiLeaks is a documentary. The Kurdish protests in France, there's a particular image our student was talking, one of my students was talking about. Anti-vaccine protests, January 6th, of course, there's, that's loaded with images, right? And, and what messages do those images send? That was a really interesting one. Uh, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. She was sort of talking about... Um, humanizing but in a bad way this uh i think it was a serial killer um can't remember which one uh social media algorithms just sort of article on that uh racing extinct extinction is a documentary i think uh the movie 1984 uh, that was a good one you know that that i should, i don't think we i think that's on our summer reading that should really be taught somewhere i think everywhere um google results uh somebody typed in the word wrestling and was like check out these results it was kind of disturbing you know um covid top 10 conspiracy theories current conspiracy theories that's that's a title of an article uh elizabeth holmes that's whole story with her um trying to get what was it the uh little prick that could give you a blood test uh she had the startup that tried to claim that that she had this sort of at home blood test kit um that would just ended up being this huge hoax um Sadiq from the office. It's this sort of interesting presentation, a stereotypical image of an Indian in IT. Uh, communist propaganda, a scene in Elf. Um, I forget, it was something about them working, uh, how they were working in one scene. There's a sort of commentary on that. Uh, Don't Look Up, the movie. Uh, somebody mentioned a U <laughs> North Korean YouTuber. Uh, forget the connection they made. Uh, flight, flight Club. Flight Club. <laughs> Flight Cup. No, there's no Flight Cup. Fight Club. Sorry. Uh, Andrew Tate. You know, that was another thing. And they yeah, may not be watching uh, the Associated or reading the Associated Press, but they know about Andrew Tate. Um, but that's a, he's like a walking example of everything we're talking about in the conversation. So that was a good one. Um, I, we talked about the other guy, too. Um, New York. Republican House of Representatives who claimed he was like six different things that he wasn't. This name's slipping from me right now. Um, but that was, so that was an interesting conversation. That was a good example of what we were talking about, too. Um, gun violence, of course, came up. And then plastic pollution in the ocean um, was another little article that somebody posted. So just think about that. Think about the variety of, like, and I didn't do anything. Like, all those things I just listed. Think about how long that would have taken me to come up with that list. Right, like to do the research to find the the movie titles, to come up with the article titles. Like I just listed, like I have a hundred some students. I don't think I listed all of it, but yeah, you know, think about that. How long would it take to have come up with a hundred sources, right? But instead, I just gave a simple prompt to my students, told them to post the links. So now I have those links if I ever want to go back to it for whatever reason, you know, screenshot it to, for some other lesson I wanted to teach or whatever it is. I learned. I learned. Like, right, that's that's the fun of what we do is that you can get your kids to teach each other. It's it, we I think it's definitely a special subject. So I don't know if that's necessarily the case in like chemistry, biology, history, 
you know, there's there's a there's obviously a, a, a important role that we play in the classroom, being experts in in, in literature and, and again trying to navigate these conversations about the real world, how to model how to talk about these issues, right? Of course, there's a we have they have to be the expert in the room about all this stuff and be able to know the details, and that's why it's important for us to read the news. Um, and to, to really be able to talk about these con- these different things that come up, because if we want them to be excited about literature, we have to, to get them to think like, or, or we have to get them to understand that they can think about who they are and the world they live in when they read. To some extent, we do want them to under- just value literature for in and of itself, right? Like we want to just understand this historical moment what it was like to live there. The story is just the story, right? There's a value of studying just the story itself without looking at all the extras, but there's also value at looking at the extras. Um, we can do both. We don't always have to just like treat the story and, and like it's this thing that exists, you know, without a date and a writer and all of that, because that's important too. Um, and, and especially when we demand evidence, we're gonna do, all right, if you're gonna make an argument about this, this, this novel, you better have evidence to back it up. And that doesn't include extra, uh, other sources, right? If you're going to make an argument about some, some t- general topic, like an essential question, yeah, yes, of course, you can bring in other topics. But um, in this sense, it's just, it's just like a fun activity, you know? And, and, and the cool thing about teaching seniors is that they, 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 they were like, this was really fun. And I was like, I know, it reminded me of teaching media studies, you know, because those are those are conversations where we get to know other people's opinions and know the movies that they're watching and it, it's the kind of thing that that keeps the conversation going once they leave your classroom and that's where real education occurs right we want them to learn things in our class but the important thing is what they are talking about when they leave because that means that what we're doing in the classroom is working and that that the conversation doesn't end when they write the essay or when they make a comment in the class, right? We want the conversation to continue for the rest of their lives, right? Even into their adulthood. We want them to remember the things uh, that they experience in our classroom. An activity like this, it was so easy for me just to come up with that. Hey, you know, give me something in the media that relates to these stories. That's all. That's basically all I did. Something that either represents reality uh, or doesn't represent reality. And they went to town with it, you know? Um, and in, and we understood the stories on a bet, on a deeper level. That's the other sort of advantage of doing something like this is that I felt like they really got it, right? Like they just didn't like quote lines and say this character feels this, which is good. That's all good. Um, but we also want to dig deeper. And this is how we dig deeper, by just asking them <laughs> to dig deeper, Um you know, we and and it was such. It was think about it, for me. It was an easy day. It was I again. I they mostly just did work at their desk, and then they presented, and I just listened and I watched them work. You know, I got to catch up on grading. Um, you know, it was it was easy for me. Really, really memorable for them. Uh, something that they'll always sort of take with them. And and for the kids who are not watching the news and they're not interested, maybe now they are. You know, because they see that their 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 classmates. Are getting into it and and you know uh, thinking really deep thoughts about what they're encountering in social media. So we're not like 
just getting angry at them for going on their phones, right? Which, of course, we're going to do. Um, but but we're, we're almost welcoming that conversation in. Like, hey, tell me what you saw about or what you think about Andrew Tate, you know? Um, that kind of thing. Like, let's kind of laugh at it together, get upset by it together, and then maybe we'll change it together, right? It's a complicated world. Um, analyzing lit- classic literature equips students with the skills they need to interpret the onslaught of words and images that appear and disappear in seconds, right? So, so we know that, that, that the classics, there's a value to, to studying the classics. It's very challenging, right, to look at Charles Dickens and Jane Austen and Virginia Woolf and Ralph Ellison, right? And, and when they're able to interpret that stuff, then they also can interpret other stuff. Um, but sometimes it's nice and important to sit back and listen to their thoughts about the world they currently live in. Thank you for listening. Um, if you enjoy listening, please give me a, um, a, a rating on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts uh, so that I can spread word and uh, get heard <laughs> by other teachers. Um, and uh, have a nice rest of the week, everybody. Thanks for listening.